Hi, welcome to Stardust Records, a Star Wars podcast. I'm your host, Savi, and I'm here with my co-host, Lens. Hi, Lens. Hello. So we have a couple of updates for you this week because we know that we haven't been on exactly a steady release schedule, but we are getting back on a weekly release schedule now that The Mandalorian is out and a couple of other Star Wars projects are being released and a lot of exciting things are happening. Lynn's what's happening this week? Well, this week we are both attending Emerald City Comic Con in Seattle. Um, it is going to be a blast. We both went last year and... Um, we're going to just uh, hang out, see some people, look at some art, and enjoy enjoy our time. It's always it's always fun. We will have some stickers, which will oh, be... yes. Yeah, we have some holographic stickers to give out, so come find us. We'll probably post something on the pod page. And then after that, uh, it, it is officially, from the time of this recording, it's March 1st. Uh, it is one month until I leave for Star Wars Celebration. I'm spending six days in Ireland before, so, and then when Star Wars Celebration comes, so it's like a, a month and a week, I think, which will probably yeah. go by in a blink of an eye, but there's this really cool thing happening on the Saturday of Star Wars Celebration, but if you are a Solo fan, you should totally join us for the Celebrating the Legacy of Solo, a Star Wars Story panel, it's Saturday at 3 p.m. Greenwick time. There will be a couple of our buddies also hosting that panel. So like Hayden, Liv, Georgia, just some really good friends of ours. It'll be really exciting. We hope to see you there to celebrate Solo's fifth anniversary at Star Wars Celebration. So if you're going, you should totally let us know. We'll find a way to record it so we can hopefully post it on our Spotify. But I wish I could put Lynn's in my pocket and take her with me. <laughs> I know I know it's so sad but I will be there with you in spirit and I'm just so excited for you like that's so cool I you and everybody else that is going are going to be part of the panel like that is amazing and I'm just so stoked for you <laughs> thanks yeah it'll be really really fun and we're probably going to get so many announcements I know that they delayed Jedi Survivor post celebration it was supposed to drop this week right or like this next yeah. week yeah so we're getting that after so hopefully we'll have some time to like hype it up a little bit at celebration before we all come home and play it yeah I am so like this was I know that they're making the perfect game mm-hmm. and the wait is going to be so worth it and it's a good thing that they um delayed it because they need to work on stuff and I totally get that but mm-hmm. it's like the worst time for me personally because <laughs> I will only have like two days to play it at home and then I have to go like away to watch a house for a week and I'm thinking about like bringing my whole computer up there but they don't have wi-fi so I'm gonna have to like use my phone's wi-fi and like Ooh. all this stuff and then I'll only have that for a week and then I'm going away and it's like I'm gonna be like speed running the hell out of that game because I want to play <laughs> as much of it as possible while I can but it's all good and in yeah. the meantime we'll have more content to consume and in the meantime so and through then the Mandalorian is out and that's gonna be like eight episodes so which is yeah wild. so it's battle scars with the man it's the Mandalorian battle scars survivor visions because that's May 4th yeah that's oh, also yeah. coming up Ahsoka will probably get a trailer at Star Wars Celebration I don't doubt it because I know Rosario is going. So yeah, I don't know. We'll probably get a couple of things. I, somebody mentioned that we could get like an Andor sizzle reel, 
which would yeah they can announce the andor making of well, and then skeleton crew we could get something for that yeah maybe acolyte there's so much yeah. content oh my god i th- <laughs> i think we're definitely at this point with how much they like with what they released of those so at the last celebration you know they revealed acolytes um and skeleton crews uh some of the cast they revealed the title cards like what it looks like so i really expect that we are going to get more about those two shows specifically if not um yeah definitely sizzle reels i would assume um we could get and- a sizzle reel of acolyte and andor i feel like the there was this article that tony gilroy interviewed for that said that andor season two will probably have the same release schedule blah 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 as the first season i can see them releasing a sizzle reel and then also being like and tonight we're dropping the making of andor on disney plus (laughs) like just randomly well because they did that for um no they didn't do it when did they drop the um when did they drop the making of it was three months after yeah it was three months after so it would it would really make sense if they did it at celebration if they dropped um like a making of for andor at that point so i can see them like putting those two things together like here's a sizzle reel and just when you thought this was all you're gonna get here's this so i don't know maybe that'd be nice Also, also okay i just started thinking of this recently but denise is the only one from the andor cast who's going to celebration Mm-hmm. And by that time, they're filming in Valencia, Spain. So, do we think that Dedra D words? Uh, oh gosh, I didn't think about that. It was the first thing that came to my mind the moment they announced Denise. I was like, Dedra's well, dead. I mean, I guess <laughs> there's still time for other characters to be or other like actors to be announced. Like, did they ever announce that Diego was going, like, in the... Because no, I remember Di- we didn't know. And then Diego dropped that story. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I don't know. I feel like there could be another cast member or two that goes. Just, I don't know. It feels like one of those things where, like, maybe they're not announcing because they're not for sure at this very moment. But also, maybe it's going to be a surprise. But you're, the point that you're making, that the fact that they announced Denise and what that could mean... I feel like that's a good chance just because she seems like a character that we're going to get more of, obviously, in the second season, and she's probably going to play a significant role. But is she a character that's going to, you know, make it through? I don't think so. I feel like she's probably not going to make it. And so, yeah, yeah, I think that's probably a safe bet that Dedra is just not going to make it, which, you know. I'm sorry for the Dedra girlies that really like her, but then also, I feel like we're Dedra girlies. I like- we are Dedra girlies. Yeah. Like I would be sad. I would be sad to see a character go that like was so compelling, but also not because like if it's done well, then it's like oh you know this was the logical conclusion for this character or you know that kind of deal. So I do find her very fascinating, and I do I am excited to see more of her. But does it make sense if she dies? Yeah, I think it might narratively. So yeah, I think so too. Yeah. <laughs> so it is March first. 
which means yes. that we got the first we got chapter 17 of the mandalorian season three it was i think, <laughs> I think it was how shall i say it really hit all the i don't want to say nostalgia of the first season but it really did a good job of coming back to some of the things that we remember and like touchstones of the first season to kind of reconnect us to I guess the roots of the show in a way um mm-hmm. so going back to Navarro uh Grief Karga uh IG-11 and it it wasn't didn't feel like it was it didn't to me it didn't feel like we were ha- rehashing anything from season one but it was an evolution of just a logical progression of season one and we've seen like Navarro is a good example of it growing through the seasons you know mm-hmm. so it wasn't like uh no I won't say this but in my mind I was about to say it it isn't like you're just going back to Tatooine it's the same every time mm-hmm. Navarro is changing every time you go there and this is no shade against Tatooine and Tatooine lovers because you know whatever it's a planet you go back to it it's you know Star Wars but um mm-hmm. Navarro has like grown with the story and so I thought that was really cool to see the evolution of that place so what did you think about it well to go off of that first I watched the first episode of season one and we see Navarro in that when Din comes back and he you know gets more gets the mission to Grogu (laughs) um, from grief and it's just interesting because in the first episode we see the bar that was in the first episode so the like pirates are going to that bar to see if grief is there and now it's a school so it was just so interesting to see over the years because recently John Favreau said it's what been like a couple of years yeah so over the years how much change has happened because I think by that the by season one like that first episode the empire has quite recently fallen because there's a there's that one scene with grief where he gives him imperial credits and din is like they're kind of worth nothing so it's so fascinating to see like the the time has passed and how something so affected by the empire has changed over time grief said something that really stuck with me when he wanted to become like the first individual trade route So it's really interesting to see a planet that even though the Empire is no longer in reign, he kind of still doesn't want to be taken over by like a bigger... He didn't want to be beholden. Essentially, yeah. Yeah, he didn't want to be dictator, but yeah. Yeah, he didn't want to be beholden to the New Republic, which, Mm -hmm. you know, I I love that angle because I know like the New Republic is supposed to be good and obviously it is better than the empire but i love that there's this level of there's not immediate trust in this new government by people especially like out there on um i'm assuming navarro is pretty far out and it's on the hydean way so it's the first independent trading post or something on the hydean way which i think is really cool um it almost correct me if i'm wrong but batu isn't controlled by the new republic is it black spire isn't so navarro is kind of like a when i saw navarro like from the uh from above not out there and on the planet but like above the city and how it's grown and like 
um, flourished, it just reminded me of uh, Batu. And I was like, this mm-hmm. is kind of the same sort of vibe. Yeah, the like market and the flags. And... Yeah, yeah. So, and just the, the you know, it's a trading post. It's out there. It's not controlled by the empire. It's not controlled by the New Republic. So it definitely had those vibes, which I thought was really cool. Um, and yeah, I I love the evolution of that place. It feels right. It feels good. And it's cool to put Grief's progression and Navarro's progression up against um, Din's progression as a character because we can see such a contrast. Um, I don't want to say Din is stagnant, but Grief basically brings that up when they have their meeting in his office. He's like, I thought you completed your mission. You're still with the little one. And like, you know, he, he's basically saying, like, what has changed for you? Like, don't you want to move on? Don't you want to, um, like, what's going on with you, basically? And I think that's really cool because it shows, it, it's a good um, exposition for the audience of, like, where yeah. his character's at. No, I, I totally agree because I read something on Twitter. Somebody was like, oh, Din going back for IG-11 is making... <laughs> the finale, I think it was either, was it season one where IG-11 sacrifices himself? So it's like, someone was like, well, that's erasing, or I don't know the word that was used, but it was basically just saying like, it was meaningless now. But I think that because grief is, has moved on so far and we've seen that, and then we see Din, quite like literally still living in the mindset that he was in in season one so I don't think that it erases anything I think it just shows us where Din's head is at and it was funny well not funny but the way that grief and Bo like both spoke to Din was in like a very similar manner and same Mm -hmm. with the armor she was basically just there's there's no way like you're really gonna keep trying to do this and then grief was the same way he had this whole retirement plan for Dan laid out for him and was like you can live peacefully with the kid and like you can be my marshal and blah 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 and then Bo was like there's literally like there's nothing and nobody can get past that bucket head <laughs> for like lack of a, he's more stubborn than I thought yeah I think he is just so fixated on being because I I mean obviously he was a foundling and all of his purpose was put but like was put into the way you know and we see when he was younger obviously we see the process that he probably went through when he was younger when they at the beginning of this episode the armor was going through the ritual with the boy and you know like they're reciting this um you know reciting what would it be called like a A mantra or yeah you know back to each other and so we see like that's what Din went through and that's what he wants because like they're his only family but then at the same time it's like so is Grogu and Grogu isn't gonna be is Grogu gonna have a little helmet on his head <laughs> like you know how can it won't fit Din... those ears yeah I know like how yeah. how will Din you know how what does he see for his future I just think that he's stuck on the only thing that ever brought him stability which is the way and I don't think that he's ever considered that he could have anything outside of it and that nothing else I don't want to say that nothing else matters but I think that having Grogu has shown him um things outside of the way and it's not to say that the way is 
wrong in per se, but it might not be right for him anymore, but he's clinging yeah. to it. And we see that, especially like you're saying with how stubborn he is and the fact that he just would not give up on IG-11, like he wanted IG-11 and he's gonna get like that. I don't, I don't know what his fixation is, but I'm assuming it's bigger than just IG-11, obviously. Like there's something bigger going on with him than just, I want this droid. I think it's the lack of like trust that he has for other droids. So yeah, he was, and he was like, this one is my friend. It, it is, it's, he's so familial and he, he has like nobody else right now. Like he just has Grogu and he kind of has grief and we know that he doesn't have Kara anymore. So it's like, he, I feel like he feels very alone. And then the family that he once considered family that also considered his family sees him as this apostate so it's like very difficult for him to feel like he belongs anywhere I think um yeah. so he's like clinging to things from the recent past like IG-11 and, and I'm sure that he feels a little bit more connected to IG-11 because IG was there when he collected Grogu so yeah I don't know maybe, yeah. maybe I'm thinking too much into it but well I I mean he fits everything that he needs like you know he needs IG-11 to explore the surface of Mandalore um mm -hmm. and that was the only droid he trusted so it does make sense that that he that would be his go-to I just think it's so funny how he's so stubborn about it he's like I'm gonna find a way to make this mm -hmm. work um and then <clears throat> the fact that he went to visit Bo-Katan and he's like I'm gonna join you yeah was so interesting the way he went about that because I was like what did he expect that she was well I guess he assumed that she was still trying to go to Mandalore I mean we see that he says that basically and yeah. I guess he was surprised to figure out that she kind of had given up on it supposedly um I guess that he was just gonna be like let's go together which I don't know I found that decision interesting that he didn't just, just that scene was so like the last we see him, he's like, Oh, I got to go find some parts for this droid. And then all of a sudden he's like visiting bo at this castle. No, I, I'm I, really excited for the next episode because there's so much I'm not, I'm just wondering about. Me too. And if I, I do wonder if he goes to Mandalore the next episode, because that is his next so yeah. I, I don't know what else he might need. I know some I people think have that, already seen chapter 18, so. But. Yeah, I feel like, well, Bo is, I'm pretty sure Bo's going to be in the next episode. I feel like she might follow him. Um, I do too. I think that, <clears throat> I think that she's going to be like, this could be a good opportunity for me to get the Darksaber back because mm. she's like oh you know here's dinjar and i know where he's going this is what he wants i think that she might be like this is my last ditch effort to 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 do what i i've always wanted to do like what i've wanted to that she's like wanted to unite the mandalorian people and uh reclaim mandalore <clears throat> i i just wonder how she's gonna go about it because yeah, I feel so badly for her. It was so sad to see her all alone in that castle because, you know, you and I and the audience who have followed her story know that, like, this has been 
decades long a decades long struggle for her and to have to see her say to din like that basically it was all hopeless and like she gave basically that she had given up everyone abandoned her um she didn't have a chance like she doesn't have the sword and so nobody will follow her and that mandalore is just basically a lost cause it's just so sad knowing where she came from and like her convictions through these years and then to see that it was just so sad and so i think that's partly what's going to fuel her through the season is like this is maybe her last chance to to do what she's wanted to do so to my knowledge the the cult or whatever that uh yeah, the sect the sect that din <laughs> is a part of is i don't know that they have i don't know that they have a specific name um but they follow the way and I, there's not been anything else like that in past in the past uh, media, like through the Clone Wars, yeah, mentioning like, like the different. But it's quite but it's the, new, yeah. Yes, but when Bo Katan was speaking to Din in this episode, she was mentioning how when uh, how they had like abandoned them. So like the yeah. Din's sect had like abandoned the Mandalorian people before. I think she said before the. Um, I think before the empire, the the, before the purge. the purge, yeah, 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 yeah. So that they had broken away before that, and there were other Mandalorian sects that broke away. So Death Watch was one of them from uh, Satine's uh, uh, government, basically. So when Satine made her um, government on Mandalore and took over, there were the people who followed her, the Mandalorians that like followed her into this like more peaceful time and then there were mandalorians who wanted to follow more a more like quote-unquote traditional path mandalorian path and so then they broke away i don't know that din's sect was at that point broken away but um death watch was part of that and so uh that's where bo katan went she went with them for a while and um was following some other people so Mm. I guess I, I don't know. It's interesting that Bo would talk about like, oh, you know, you guys all broke away and like, you know, now I can't. You guys can't come back together. But it's like you you did too. But I'm not. This isn't like a a slight against Bo because obviously, I think that she. I don't know where she stands in her thought, in her thoughts of like what is the proper way to go about, like rallying the Mandalorian people and what Mandalorian people should look like, what a Mandalore United should look like. Because mm-hmm. I don't think that we've seen it. And I don't think that we've seen it articulated either. So what we saw in the Clone Wars wasn't wasn't the vision that she had. It wasn't you know what I'm saying? Like it just hasn't been realized. And I don't think we've seen like what it is that the end goal should be for those people. Because obviously are they going to all agree? And well, we saw in Rebels, like <clears throat> Sabine's family, clans, like all these clans were like broken up and moved on and like away and like split up and everything. And so it's just, what would that look like? You know? And obviously the Darksaber is at the center of all of that. So another point in this uh, episode that I thought was kind of cool was that um, we had pirates that came in Um we kind of mentioned with the uh the fact that they came to this to the now school um 
and they were, you know, wanting to talk to grief and they weren't taking a no for an answer when he wanted to go up to his office to talk business. I I really wanted it to be um, Hondo. I really wanted him to be involved with the pirates. I thought um, it was going to be him too. I know. And when he was like talking about his captain, I was like, it was like clenchy. I was like, oh my gosh, is, is that Hondo? <laughs> and it wasn't. And I was like, oh my gosh, but that's okay. That's okay. I, I'm, I am a Hondo Onaka girly. I love him so much. And if this was not his time, this was not his time. I can wait. I'm sure he'll join rejoin us at some point in this franchise. But any hoosies. So I thought they were really cool. Their designs, like their outfits and the variety in the species of like the pirates. Um, I think the main guy was like a, a Nikto. And um, I know that there was an Aqualish. And it was just really, really cool to see them. Um, all the aliens of Navarro, the fact that they had a Mount Calamari. Anyway, I'll, I digress. I digress. So towards the end of the episode, uh, uh, so Din had, had shot up some of those pirates. So at the end of the episode, he's leaving the system. And the pirates find him, and they're chasing him in their little starfighters. He takes him out, blah, blah, blah. Um, and then we get to see, like, the pirate ship. I wanted to do research onto like what kind of ship that was because I'm sure I've seen it before in some other Star Wars media. But um, the pirate, his name is the pirate captain's name is. Oh my gosh, I just had it in my head and it left my head. Um, Gorian Shard, and he's like a tree guy. He's like a bush. He's like a, a seaweed monster man. Yeah, he really did look like something out of like a 1930s horror film. I absolutely love it. I dig it. Like this character design is absolutely amazing. And the fact that he's got like cane era, whatever this is, and like a, a nice like red and gold like sash across his chest. And he's mm-hmm. got like, oh, he's just so cool looking. <laughs> um, and he's got like the red eyes and oh my gosh. Yeah, definitely very Daisy or Davy Jones. Um <laughs> I almost said Daisy Jones, but it's so close. <laughs> Davy Jones-esque uh, um, character. And uh, I just, I thought that was a cool addition. And whether we see him or not later in the season, I just thought that was really cool. So, um, yeah. And then speaking of flying around in space, um, at one point in the episode, they're going through hyperspace and Grogu, is, or, you know, Din's taking a nap. And Grogu's up in his little, his little bubble, and he's like looking and admiring the the hyperspace and how cool it is. And I thought that was such a sweet moment. And then they just made the moment even better by including the Pergil or Pergil um, creatures outside of like the stream of hyperspace that's in. And you like it zooms out the shot and like the N1 Starfighter is like really small and you see the big shadow of the Pergio like alongside and it was just so epic what did you think about that moment there was this comment that I saw today where it was like if you see it and you know it you know it and it's exciting but then if you see it and you don't know it it's like a really great addition or something or like it's cool like Yogu is admiring the but like we've both seen rebels so the moment that i saw like the first shadow of the space whale 
I was like, oh my God, Dave Filoni is like dangling Ezra Bridger right in front of us <laughs> and we can't reach I, out and grab it. But I thought that was amazing. And I, I also thought it was really cool because it reminded me of um, that shot, you know, with the N1 Starfighter then pulled back and like, you know, there's a veil of hyperspace between the Starfighter and the Pergil, but they're obviously alongside of each other. It reminded me of the shot from the Prince of Egypt when the people are going through the Red Sea and there's the shadow oh. of the whale in the in the water that they're walking by. And it just, it's so reminded me of that. And I put them together and I posted it. I was like, does am I the only one seeing this? Because it reminded me of that moment. And that's a pretty like classic animated movie moment to reference. I wouldn't be surprised if that was sort of a reference to it. Um, mm -hmm. I think it was really beautiful. Um, because that's one of the most beautiful moments in that movie. Um, but yeah, I was just super excited about it. I'm super excited about the implications, um, whether or not that they revisit that at all in, in this season doesn't matter to me. The fact that they had it was just so cool. And it just speaks to like what, like yeah. you said, like he's dangling as a bridger in front of us. Apparently it's rumored that Mandalorian skeleton crew and Ahsoka are possibly connected. That makes sense to me because yeah. they're all within the same era I think that is really cool because well yeah obviously the Mandalorian and Ahsoka will be connected because Ahsoka appeared in the Mandalorian and you know she's looking for Thrawn um but it, I would love to see how Skeleton Crew ties into it because I did hear that Skeleton Crew will take places take place on like the, the edge of the galaxy or outside of the galaxy mm -hmm. so that that makes sense when we're thinking of like where Ezra and Thrawn probably ended up was like wild space so mm -hmm. that makes sense yes yeah all in all this was a, a really good solid first episode um I'm excited me too there's like a lot of directions the season could go that's what I love is that I don't know like you can't predict it what's fun is that you you are kind of in the dark right now and that that space will seem like the purgles or the purgles, I feel like put us more in the dark, but in like a good way, because it's, it's like, there's no way that there's no meaning to that scene. I agree. I feel like there could be more. And if there's rumors that everything else is connected. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I do think that the purgil are force sensitive creatures. I, I do believe that they have a, a sensitivity. And mm -hmm. so it, it it's just interesting that Grogu, who's force sensitive, would have this encounter with them. Like they like as if they were drawn to him, you know? Like mm -hmm. of all like of all the small like slipstreams of space that they could appear alongside of and be alongside, it would be Grogu. And I don't know, I like you said, I think there is meaning to that. So yeah. and we just need to know like what is the meaning um I love it it was fun it was it 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 was nostalgic in the right ways if nostalgia is the right word to use and it was fresh in the right ways and it left me just like really excited for the next um episode which is that's what you want you want to be excited for the next episode so mm -hmm. um yeah I loved it 10 out of 10 from me agreed I like that it was so light-hearted like, I like that it was, it, we were, 
I feel like you like you can't dislike Din and Grogu. Yeah. Which is very difficult. <laughs> and I like that Man- the Mandalorian is lighthearted because it's like I know that I get that feeling whenever I watch them. So it's like it makes me want to watch it more. Like, yes, it's a story that has some heavy bits and probably some sacrifices and things like that but I always know that it'll feel really familial and good and pleasant yeah so which is why and I'll say this every time Star Wars isn't comparable like you can't compare all the Star Wars so I think that this is like the perfect example well it's like you've got a flavor of Star Wars for everybody and for every mood you know it's like if you're looking for something uh heavier you could possibly watch and or if you're looking for something more lighthearted you could watch something more lighthearted um it's there's something for everybody for every mood and um I love that because it doesn't feel stagnant it doesn't feel it's dynamic it's like you know uh Alden says it's like a it's like a tapestry um yes of all these different parts and they you know, the common thread is Star Wars. It's Star Wars through and through, but you have all these different elements that are, you know, cohesive. And I love it. I love it. <laughs> it's the best. And we're getting more Star Wars in just a couple of days, but we're getting, it's book Star Wars, which yeah. you and I are really big Jedi Fallen Order fans. So I feel like we've been looking forward, the, forward to this for a really long time, but um, we're getting battle scars. Oh, I'm so excited. I I was just going to say, like, I have been wanting to know more. I've wanted to look into the minds of these characters so much deeper for so long. And um, from the excerpts that we've gotten of Battle Scars, uh, it's, uh, you know, we're going to see Cal's point of view. We're going to see Marin's point of view. And we're going to see Seer's point of view. And from those excerpts themselves, it's just we're going to get such a better look inside of their heads and the things they believe and how they think and from what I've seen it's excellent and then from some of the reviews that we've um not in in detail reviews but some of the reviews that we've seen uh just makes me feel so good about like the direction and the content and um yeah I'm just I'm so excited for it Mm -hmm. me too it'll be so good and Sam Maggs seems to like really understand each and every character like every excerpt that we've read so far that's been released as a preview I just feel like has hit all of those characters hit the nail on the head essentially like yeah the one with Marin and Seer and the fight with Cal and Seer and fifth brother so good it was Uh. so good oh my gosh I love I've wanted to know more about Sears' perspective for a while and so just that brief moment that we got to read just spoke so much about her and about character and I was just like oh my gosh I love her so much more like I actually kind of understand her more just from that little bit um and that's what I was hoping for yeah and well I mean we've heard from a couple reviews multiple reviews that it's like the steamiest Star Wars book ever which is crazy because Lost Stars has those three, I think it's three, three scenes. So, so unless people are forgetting about Lost Stars. I know, unless it's like Lost Stars erasure, but it's like, 
us already. <laughs> I know. And it will, I mean, it's going to, I think those moments are going to be focused around Marin and this new character. Yeah. From that's what, what I'm assuming. Those are the vibes I was because, getting too. Because Marin has like a, uh, um, a romance with um, a like certain a character. I know. I, yes. Okay. Yeah. A female stormtrooper? Yeah. Um, okay. That excerpt was really, like, I don't I know. know. They're freaking, oh my gosh. I'm excited. It's coming out the 8th? The 7th? Yes. Yes. 7th or 8th? I want to say. Know. I've been thinking about Daisy Jones. I know. <laughs> um, we are both, we both, um, just a side note to you all, we both got into Daisy Jones and the Six at the same time. We read the book and now the show's about to come out. So that's also been one of our brain worms. Um, <laughs> aside from the usual Star Wars fair, it's, uh, <laughs> that's been on our mind too. Cool. So March 7th, Battle Scars comes out. I got the audio book so I can get it faster. <laughs> yeah, so. well. I'm I'm like crossing my fingers that I can possibly get an advanced copy at DCCC, but I don't know if that's going to happen. We'll just see. We will see. We will see. But, Where can you find us? Oh, well, you can find me at A Cosmic Love on Twitter and at Rebel Risen uh, on Instagram. And you can find me. <laughs> Sorry, I interrupted you. Uh, you can find me at Andorisms on Twitter and Instagram and News Andor on Twitter. And you can follow our pod at Stardust Records. Um, and we'll see you next week for our next review. We're super excited. Bye. <laughs> Bye. <laughs>